0: Scary mysteries couldn't be created without the help of our researcher Jonathan, writer Arvin, editors Nikki and Scotch, and amazing video editor Paolo. It takes a lot to create these videos, and we couldn't bring them to you without this awesome team of people, so show them some love in the comments section. And, if you guys want to support our work, then please check out our Patreon page for exclusive videos, and remember to subscribe. 5 Ghastly Underwater Murders When we think of murder, the next thing that comes into our mind after the tragic fate of the victim is the ways in which it was carried out. Chances are, you already know the common ones, stabbing, shootings, bludgeonings, or hangings, but by water, now that's something weird and unsettling. Here are 5 Tales of Ghastly Underwater Murders Number 5. Jackson and Jacob Telnes We have this notion in our minds that there's nothing purer than a mother's love for their children. Be it humans or animals, mothers are driven with their instinct to protect, to nourish, and to fight for their offspring. But, of course, there are always exceptions. In 2008, Sherry Telnes was caught trying to drown her infant boy Jackson along the Clark Fork River in Montana. Upon apprehension, she told authorities that it was the voices in her head that told her to do it. Her lawyers later managed to put up an insanity case which landed her in a state psychiatric hospital. Her husband Jacob divorced her and went on to raise their son. However, after her release in 2016, the two reconciled. Their rekindled romance brought forth their second child, Jacob Jr. They eventually moved from Montana to Strathmore, California, and what they thought was a new life together turned out to be a horror story. On June 29, 2019, police from Tulare County received a distress call from the community which saw a woman acting strangely. The person in question was dragging a couple of boys towards a cornfield. When the county deputies arrived at the scene, they found Jackson, who was 12 years old, and Jacob Jr., who was 7, unconscious, and abandoned in an irrigation ditch. The boys were immediately rushed to the nearest hospital. Unfortunately, though, Sherry's eldest son didn't make it through and was pronounced dead on arrival. The younger one was then transferred to another hospital and he had already incurred severe brain damage and 8 days later he too succumbed to death. Meanwhile, court documents revealed Sherry's highly irrational and troubled mental state. During her interrogation, the mother reportedly spit on the deputies who interviewed her. The 45-year-old also told police that the reason she drowned her kids was because they were possessed by demons. The accused was charged with two counts of murder on top of other criminal charges. He was made to face trial on January of 2020 and is currently in custody in Tulare County Jail. One could only imagine Jackson's pain to see his mother attempting to kill him not once but twice. Worse, she even dragged along his younger brother into all this madness. Number 4 Scott Callahan. In the Christian church, a baptism is a religious rite in which a person is immersed in water. This act symbolizes purification, regeneration, or rebirth from the old self. And In this story, a teenager from Massachusetts performed the sacrament, but wrongly in more ways than one. On a Sunday night in June of 2021, Jack Callahan was asked to pick up his father, Scott, after a heavy drinking session at a bar in Duxbury, Massachusetts. The two took an Uber and headed off to Island Creek Pond in Crooker Memorial Park. For unknown reasons, the two subsequently had a fistfight and it ended up with the younger Callahan punching his old man. The scuffle ultimately brought them into the middle of the pond, As revealed in his testimony to the assistant district attorney, Jack believed he was baptizing his father in the water. He said he held the victim on his back like a baby and submerged his head in the water about six to eight times. Eventually, Mr. Callahan ceased struggling and began to float. The son reportedly fled the scene and returned home early Monday morning He was seen soaking wet by his mother who had been waiting for the two to arrive from the previous night. Mrs. Callahan then noticed the teenager behaving erratically as if he was having a mental breakdown. Worried, she of course called the police and it didn't take long for the 19-year-old to confess to everything. He then led them to the park where it all happened and there they found the victim's body sunk at the bottom of the pond. Callahan was rushed for treatment, but doctors pronounced him dead on arrival at a local hospital. Upon further questioning, the teenager said that he was only trying to rid his father of a demon called Dirty Dan. He purportedly gave his father two choices, either he come to heaven with me or hell. I think he chose hell, The younger, Callahan said to police. The 57-year-old reportedly had a history of substance abuse after incurring a traumatic brain injury. He was not supposed to be drinking, considering the many other health issues and complications he had been dealing with. All the while, the accused had also reportedly been dealing with substance abuse. A prosecutor told the press that the man was diagnosed with a mental health condition as well. Currently, the state medical examiner's office will be conducting an investigation on the cause and manner of exactly what caused Callahan's death. His son, on the other hand, is expected to face a murder charge. Number 3. Laurelette Beckett We've all heard the saying that people would do anything for love, The same degree of commitment and determination can also be seen when greed comes into play. Peter Beckett was a rather famous man in his hometown in Napier, a seaside community on New Zealand's North Island. In 1995, he met a woman from Canada named Laura Letts, and she was in the country for a tour, and like love at first sight, the two instantly hit it off. In 2002, the former councilman left his post and his home in order to pursue his love for Laura. He moved to Canada and there married the woman the following year. However, in August of 2010, a tragedy took place. The two were boating on a small inflatable vessel on Upper Arrow Lake, northeast of Vancouver. According to his testimony, his wife fell into the water. The situation was quite difficult for him, considering that at the time, he was a very large man, weighing around 400 pounds. He said he did try to save her, but his strong buoyancy pulled him up to the surface. Eventually, Peter was able to retrieve his wife downstream, but she was no longer breathing. The initial investigation ruled out foul play, and Laura's death was declared to be an accident. But a year later, a shocking development took place that ended up with Peter getting arrested and charged with murder. During his trial, prosecutors argued that the man may have actually drowned his wife and made her death appear accidental. His motive was rather disturbing. Prosecutors said that Peter killed Laura for a significant amount of money that he would receive from life insurance payouts, plus her ample pension for working as a schoolteacher. Mr. Beckett, however, denounced such claims and insisted on his innocence. Further intriguing information surfaced during the subsequent trials, though. In one instance, a jury heard from Peter's former cellmate, saying that the accused attempted to pay him money to take care of witnesses. By witnesses, he meant Laura's friends and family, and apparently her people had been aware of the couple's rocky relationship months before the tragedy. An acquaintance was also made to testify in court. In this person's testimony, the New Zealander approached him after Laura's death. Out of the blue... He asked about whether Google Earth could record real-time events. He even specifically asked if the coverage could reach remote places like Upper Arrow Lake. As shocking as it was, the court deemed the statement insufficient to convict the suspect. Yet again, a relative of the victim revealed to the police the unnerving things that Peter purportedly told Laura before she died. He said to her, "'This is how you're going to die. You're going to drown. You won't know when, where it's going to happen. You won't know when it's going to happen, but you're going to know how it's going to happen,' the undisclosed woman said in a police affidavit. Eventually, in September of 2017, Peter Beckett, who was then 62 years old, was found guilty of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to 25 years in prison with no possibility for parole. And while we would think the story ends here, it doesn't. Because in June of 2021, four years after his conviction and sentencing, Beckett was freed and his accusations dropped. The decision was made by the British Columbia's Court of Appeals, which agreed to overturn the conviction. So, What really happened to Laura on Upper Arrow Lake? Did she really drown by accident? Or did Peter actually have a hand in her misery? It looks like we'll never know for sure. Number two, Emily Sizemore. There's really no limit to what a man can do when driven to madness. A person could even harm his own blood when it comes to it. Devin Sizemore was only 21 years old when his daughter Emily was born in 2016. Around July of that same year, the young father was given the chance to spend time with his baby by himself, so he went to fetch the newborn from his mother's house where she was being cared for. Nothing was out of the ordinary at first. The grandmother even saw her son pushing Emily's stroller that day. Then came the following day. Devin was heard speaking to a relative saying that God had brought the storm and that he was appointed as the herald to tell everyone of the impending apocalypse. Amidst the confusion, his relatives asked about Emily's whereabouts. His reply took them by utter surprise when he said that Emily was already with God. The authorities were called immediately, and along with volunteers in the little town of Krebs, Oklahoma, they spent the rest of the day searching for the young girl. It was already around 3 a.m. the next morning when they found little Emily floating face down in a pond. An officer from the McAllister Police Department rushed to the location and grabbed the child from the water. He then ran her ashore, where he and another police officer took turns administering compressions as an attempt to revive the unconscious child. Meanwhile, the other responding police officers were dealing with the father who was present during the commotion. A struggle then ensued in the water as they tried to place him under arrest. During his subsequent trial, he told the court that what he did was he only meant to baptize Emily by dunking her head underwater for 30 seconds. In his statement, he said that he was about to revive the infant when the police arrived and disturbed him. It was also revealed during the trial that a day prior to the incident, Devin was seen digging a hole in a barn where he had been staying. Prosecutors convinced a Pittsburgh jury that the accused had intended the hole as a burial ground for the victim. Two years later, in September of 2018, Devin Sizemore was found guilty of first-degree murder and was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. He is currently held in custody at the Lawton Correctional Facility, a medium-security private prison in Oklahoma. Despite a clear conviction, Sizemore and his legal advocate have been filing an appeal for the court to reconsider its verdict. And yet, the Krebs community and even his own family were happy about the decision to punish the man who had harmed their poor little Emily. Emily. Number 1. Tina Watson A honeymoon cut short by tragedy. The Tina Watson story has been shrouded with intrigue for many years, and it's a tale that makes you question, can you actually trust your life to your spouse? It had only been 11 days since a man named David Gabriel Gabe Watson married his beautiful wife Tina. The two could barely contain their excitement to spend their honeymoon in Queensland, Australia together. One of the highlights was their dive expedition to the historic SS Yungala shipwreck site. Athletic and well-built, the 26-year-old bubble wrap salesman was a highly experienced diver with over 50 dives under his belt. His bride, meanwhile, had lessons, but had yet to make her first dive in open water. The first time they took their dip, Mr. Watson found his dive computer malfunctioning. This signaled them to resurface and have it fixed on their tour vessel, the sport. Undeterred, the couple entered the water for a second time, and a few minutes later, Gabe went back to the surface again. He sought help, but it wasn't for him. It was, in fact, for Tina. Their diving guide immediately went down and brought the unconscious woman to the surface. They then later, on one of the other diving boats and an aide then tried to resuscitate her. But their efforts were futile and the young bride was already dead. Police initially considered it as an unforeseen diving accident. However, suspicion quickly arose when they started to question the husband. According to Gabe's account, They were confronted with a strong current as soon as they entered the water, and this made it hard for them to get their bearings. Tina indicated that she wanted to go back to the anchor line. He then signaled for her to make adjustments on her equipment so that she could float up. When nothing happened, the man went to grab his companion and drag her along towards their destination. All of a sudden, the wife accidentally knocked the husband's mask off his face. Mr. Watson said he had to let go of her hand to fix it, and that short span of time, Tina drifted ten feet away from him. She then began to sink further down below, and according to him, he tried to reach for her, but she was already too far away. As much as they wanted to believe his account... There were so many factors that prompted authorities to question his statements and credibility. For one, Mr. Watson was supposed to be an experienced diver, capable of rescuing Tina, and yet, he made no effort to prevent the woman from sinking. Over the course of the investigation, detectives also found many inconsistencies in his retellings. An inquest followed soon after, and a coroner revealed rather shocking information. As told to the Australian court, Watson allegedly held his wife underwater, turned the valve off on her air cylinder until she suffocated, switched the air back on, and let her sink to death. What's more, intriguing pieces of information indicated his motive for the killing. Tina's father told the court that prior to getting married, Mr. Watson apparently asked to increase her insurance and make him, as her would-be husband, the sole beneficiary. Gabe, who has now earned the moniker the Honeymoon Killer, was charged with murder in Australia. He pleaded guilty to manslaughter and was sentenced to four years in prison. After serving his sentence, he was deported back to their hometown in Alabama. Back home, authorities tried him for murder, but on February of 2012, the local jurisdiction dismissed the murder case due to a lack of evidence. Now a free man, Gabe Watson, has since remarried and continued to deny responsibility for Tina Watson's untimely death. So there were five ghastly underwater murders. There's probably nothing crueler than to kill someone by drowning. You can only imagine the guts the perpetrator has to muster in order to finish off the deed. The victim, meanwhile, has to suffer excruciating pain as the water completely suffocates them. If you guys enjoyed this video, then subscribe to our channel and hit the notification bell. We have new videos coming out every single week for you guys to check out. Appreciate you tuning in, and we'll see you soon.